is a round table. It's a Star Wars session special. Yeah, it is a round table. It's a Star Wars session special. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Roundtable Sessions, the first ever Star Wars Sessions book club. The Sacred Jedi Text! My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and not joining me this week in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is Master Blywalker, Luke Bly. He has been handed a puck, and he's off chasing a bounty this week, and I imagine being very naughty about it. So, I am on my Todd this week, however... We're not alone, as Poe Dameron would say. For the book club this week, I'm joined by three fantastic members of the Star Wars fandom and three uh, big book fans as well. Uh, let's get into it before uh, we talk about the book tonight. So joining me first is one of our lovely Patreons from the north of England. We call him the Mancalorian, but I think at work he goes by the name of Adrian Chorley. Adrian, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well, thanks, Matt. Yeah, good. Good, man. Great and, to be here. Uh, terms of star wars how long have you been a fan for well my earliest memory is watching return of the jedi in the cinema sat on my mother's lap so uh, it's pretty much as, <laughs> as long as i can remember uh, so we- two older brothers both you know indoctrinated me into it and uh, here we are today yeah, here, here you are on the sessions we've so we've got a uh, a member of the OT Brigade, which is fa- awesome. Uh, another Englishman joining the panel. He's a local boy, huh? The uh, the King of South End. Um, fi- via America for a few years. and A massive Star Wars ca- uh, canon fan, which I will let him explain. But it's Johnny Olaf. Johnny, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Good man. And I mentioned you're a fan. You've got the... Uh, you, well, I'll let you just explain. You have your own... Uh, you have your own social and your own uh, blog set up to uh, geared towards talking about canon, haven't you? Have you? Let our listeners know where that is. Uh, yes, I do. Um, that's called the Starbird Files. Um, you can find it on Instagram and Twitter um, with links to the blog. Uh, I started it earlier this year, mainly because of the High Republic. And uh, yeah, I've been a fan since I was a little kid in the 80s, watching A New Hope uh, recorded on VHS from the TV. Uh, play with my toys in the front room so we we're, we're kicking it back to the 80s here which is quite which is quite good uh i don't want to say it's aging me because i was a child of the 80s as well but um so johnny adrian thank you lads and also from across the pond um a voice who has been on the sessions um, a few times usually in the force form of voicemails uh, i've had him on my own shows many times uh from chicago from utini the living force podcast and my own heart it's eric Eilerson. how are you friend Oh, I am fantastic. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this book here. Uh, as you said, over at uh, Utini and Living Forest, we're all books all the time. So anytime someone, especially someone as lovely as you, is like, hey, you want to talk more about books? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> first person I thought of was Eric. Um, no, let, let's, let's round it out. Your first experience with the Star War. Sure. So I, I, I don't hit you guys in the eighties just as much. I'm a 91 baby. Um, <laughs> but so I, but I, those VHSs in the living room is, is basically the same for me, original trilogy. And then those, uh, those Phantom Menace toys that came out really got my heart a flutter. I had a Jar Jar Binks towel and everything from prequels on was pretty great. I had a slight dip in high school, but then with force awakens rocketed right back in. 
He's the only man we've ever had to dry himself off with a gungan. So uh, welcome to the show, Eric, Johnny and Adrian. So uh, we've all skipped around a point. If you haven't read the little tagline in your so in your podcast provider, then you won't know that tonight we're diving into Claudia Gray's Lost Stars for our first entry into the book club. 551 pages of pure goodness. It was released on September the 4th, 2015, as part of the Journey to the Force Awakens line. Uh, it's set well it gets set 11 years before the battle of yavin and it continues on right up until the battle of jakku um and it goes without saying this is a book club if you haven't read lost stars we're going to be diving into you know every aspect of the book so the characters the major moments you know we're going to go full spoilers on this so if you haven't read it obviously we're doing on the book club so we think you should go check it out or listen to it on audiobook it's fabulous as an audiobook but we don't want you to be disappointed if we tell you what happens. So that being said, spoilers, um, lads, let's get into uh, our first experiences with the book. Then I read this when it came out in 2015 and I don't know about any of you guys, but mine literally was from watching Jedi council. Harloff was Christian Harloff was going on about this book called lost stars all the time, how good it was uh, in comparison to the aftermath series, which I know we're going to cover at some point as well. Um, and I thought, uh, like if I was saying, you know, Romeo and Juliet in space, is, is that really a bit of me? It was marketed as a young adult, so I'm thinking it's going to be for, you know, 13, 14-year-olds. Uh, you know, if Harloff says to read it at the time, I think I'll read it. Blew me away. Blew me away the first time I read it. And I genuinely mean that. I really, I haven't stopped thinking about this book six years later, which is why it was the first book uh, to come up in a book club. So for me, for, I read it. It wasn't immediately after when it came out, but you know, not long after it came out, and I absolutely, absolutely dug it. So, um, Johnny, when did you first uh, sit down and read this book? Um, I first read it uh, March two thousand sixteen, uh, so about six months after it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that because I'm the kind of geek that has a book journal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the book club. Yeah. Exactly, excellent. Um, it was the first. Star Wars book, well, I read The Force Awakens novelization after the film came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, But it was, other than that, it was the first Star, like, original Star Wars book that I'd read since I'd been a teenager in, like, the yeah. mid-90s, reading some of the older you. Um, and I think, like you, I was initially a bit put off by the fact that it was YA and that it was billed as, like, a romance. Um but I heard a lot of great things about it, I think, mainly on the uh, Jedi Council forum. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, yeah, so I read that, and after that book, I kind of wanted more, and that's what got me... It, so it's kind of responsible for getting me back into reading Star Wars books, really. Yep. Yeah, I didn't realise... Also, on that, I didn't realise it was so long. When I realised it's 550 pages, that's, that's a tome as well. Eric, when did you uh, check this out first? Uh, I was about... Early 2017, I just moved to Chicago. I had no money, no job, and nothing to do. And one of my best friends was like, hey, you should read the Star Wars book. And I hadn't read Star Wars books really before that. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. I guess. And I, I guess. I didn't even, I did not know it was YA. I wasn't involved in the community as much, so I hadn't heard like recommendations from other groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you all were saying, it just blew me away. I was... I devoured it. I loved Claudia Gray's writing style. The characters yep. really got me, and it made me fall in love with the OT again, 
in a very specific kind of way because I was all about The Force Awakens. It's still the movie I've seen the most in theaters in my life. Mm-hmm. And this book, though, seeing all the events of my childhood that I loved in like a new way and then going further to Jakku and stuff, I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been missing. And, and this is the singular reason why I talk about Star Wars books now. It's Lost Stars. Wow. Wow. Yeah, well, love it. thanks for coming on to talk about this on top of us tonight then, because we've got a lot to talk about. Um, Adrian, were you, uh, were you, were you, are you new to the book or have you been, has it been with you for a few years too? Yeah, I was, uh, I was totally in on the whole, uh, I'm just looking at the book right now, proudly across the top journey right to here. Star Wars The Force Awakens. It was, it was, this was probably the, the, the starting point of like, almost mega hype for me that you know you had the trailers that were building mm-hmm. where the what was the first trailer about a year before the force about awakens a year, yeah and i don't know there was there were other bits of canon about at the time but i just really wasn't that bothered and then you got this almost i'm not sure what they called it force friday or whatever but they you know they they released this book at the same time as aftermath the first one yeah and there was a, there was a big push and it was you know, you were you're in September and the film was coming out in December, so you know you you really felt like you're in the home straight. And I was getting mega excited, and the just that little tease that it has, which we'll probably get to as to whether there really are clues about the upcoming Star Wars: The Force Awakens <laughs> in the book. Um, you know, it, but that was enough just to make me think. Well, I've got to read these books, and Harloff's recommendation made sure that i read mm-hmm. this before i touched aftermath or that i think in, in truth i was probably kind of reading both at the same time but this one absolutely took priority because it was just you know an, an absolute page turner yeah well um you know harloff got a planet named after him in bloodline i imagine he was probably pivotal in getting so many people to read this book in the first place um and yeah, honestly the journey to the force awakens you know literally and figuratively was some of the best is the best uh my best memories of being a star wars fan like the, the hype building up to it and then, like you say the closer we got we got this book we got uh aftermath the first kind of post return of the jedi content in canon and with all these uh tie-ins to the force awakens and that's part of the reason why i kind of take to this book so much because it takes me back to those times so it always seems like an easier time you know before before the dark times and when everyone seemed to be on board and was just enjoying being a fan. Uh, and this book has a lot to do with that. And you mentioned, I think we've all mentioned it, but Adrian mentioned just last of the characters in this book, the characters book have to me, they stand out more than any other characters in any other Canon book as of yet. Well, when we know there's the high Republic out and those characters are absolutely starting to live their own life now. But for me, the main characters of Thane Cairo, Sienna Ree, I you know they, they, I, 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 they mean a lot to me you know what i mean i really really take, took them to heart when i read this book and i'm desperate for more of them so um i think it's probably best now we move on to the talk about the characters because it's not just the it's not just thyana thane and Sienna <laughs> that have captured imagination the secondary characters the tertiary characters what claudia gray did with this book to flesh out the characters was for me so very well done stunningly done to make me care about certain characters so um who wants to let's let's dive in let's t- talk about talk about the characters um eric the characters in lost stars i mean where do we start obviously thane and Sienna, but to me claudia fleshed out everyone so well 
Yeah, she did a great job. And obviously, Thanos ended up being two brand new characters as main protagonists in such an important book. I think it's definitely yeah. a risk. Um, and it obviously played off because she loves them so much. You can tell she writes them. I think they have one of the best written relationships as far as like the longevity of the years they go through and the experiences. And it could have been a concept that faltered with less complex, interesting characters. I mean, it's like a love story from the Rebellion to the Empire is like, okay, could be a bit cliche, but because they're so rich, like you're saying, because we know so much about them, we know Thane's experiences with his father. We know kind of how the the Jelucan like society treats people differently. It really makes them make so much sense. And one character I wanted to talk about weirdly is how Tarkin is portrayed in this book because he's kind of her- weirdly heroic yeah. because he is the he comes up as like we all know he's evil. We know he's a bad guy, but he comes up to these kids that are like, oh, you want to be a pilot? Here's the ship. What's it called? Oh, very good. You know what you could be? You could do that someday. And he's very encouraging. Mm-hmm. And if like someone came to this without seeing the movies, you could be like, Tarkin's an inspiring figure. And I he's thought cool. that like, what a swing for Claudia Gray. <laughs> you. Yeah. Tarkin, Tarkin is oddly warm in the, in the, in the beginning of this. Cause he's a, he uh, praises Sane and Sienna for not running away like scolded animals, like the other guy, people who were um, causing trouble in the hangar. And Tarkin obviously uh, warmed to them. And it was because of Tarkin that these two decided to really push forward. Uh, Thane let Sienna use his ship. Um, and I remember these, these two are from, they're from different uh, cultural uh, backgrounds in terms of uh, Jelukan. So it wasn't, it wasn't always proper for them hmm, to right. fraternize together. But um, yeah, Tarkin came across as a really nice kind of, almost like a granddad figure, like taking the kids under his, under his arms. Um, is anybody, what, what else we got on the characters, Adrian? Well, I, I actually, in, in preparation for this, I went back and watched a, a relatively short interview that Claudia Gray did with the aforementioned Christian Harloff when this book came mm-hmm. out. And it was really interesting because he asked her a question about, um, you know, sort of the genesis of the book and how it all came about. And when Lucasfilm went to her, their idea was for, uh, essentially for Thane to be um, the sort of, I don't know what you call him, the, the posh guy who would fall in with the Empire and Sienna would be the one who is from the downtrodden, um, you know, lower classes who would then go off to be the rebel. Yep. And it was actually Claudia Gray, obviously a quite an early decision, I think, where she just said, well, can I swap that around? And it it, 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 it makes the book so much more interesting because you you end up with, um, well, certainly on one side, I would say um, a much deeper character, and that's with Sienna. I, I think I personally would normally gravitate towards the good characters in a book, but in this, she, she she's not a bad character, and that's that's what's so great about it. She is she's the imperial. She's the one that sticks with the empire. But all of her reasoning is is really kind of relatable, and you can see where it's come from, starting right from that first meeting with Tarkin, and you know, fall, almost falling in love with the idea of the empire as somebody who, on a separatist planet, was getting a raw deal. You know, her and her mm-hmm. family were getting a raw deal. Um, but she 
is she I, I just find her to be a, a incredibly interesting character when you've got things like the fact that she believes in the force and she yeah. believed that it was the force that brought the empire to Jellican. i mean and we as, as you're reading it you're thinking hold on love you've got this totally the wrong way around you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly as you say about talking you know you're there you're reading it screaming no 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 this this guy's a nazi and yeah, but, but evil. She, yeah she is there thinking well no this is this is like this is totally new this is this is the savior of our of our world of our you know our people so to see that then play out over and this is the unique thing about the book is is you see the character development over so many years yeah. and that that is I, I don't think there is another book in Star Wars that really does that certainly not for a new character um and and that that's really what I love about it. It's seeing them from where they start and where they end up. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting excited. I want to reread it, but just hearing you, that's I'm generally getting excited. Uh, Johnny, what do you think? Yeah. What you're saying? Um, yeah, a, a lot of my thoughts were very similar to Adrian's. Um, <laughs> in the, uh, yeah, it's the kind of Sienna's point of view and the way it's done with their their background on Jellican, uh with the first waivers and second waivers, like the second ones have only just moved there, I think, shortly before the Empire comes and takes over and they're, you know, richer and everything, more affluent. Um, and how they, the society there, kind of like, like they say, Thane is richer and you kind of expect him to be, the guy that's all gun ho for the empire. That's kind of what mm-hmm. we've been showing before that the more, um, downtrodden people and, and the people from working classes are generally more for the rebellion and that the people from the upper classes are more into the empire. But then the way that Claudia Gray explains why it's actually the opposite way around works really well. Like how with mm-hmm. the first, first waivers that, um, Sienna's family is from, how, they value loyalty and keeping your word above everything else. Uh, and so that's kind of, even though she does have doubts herself while she's in the empire, that that's why she stays with them because mm-hmm. this sense of loyalty, and it'd be dishonorable for her to leave and go back on her word when she joined the empire. Yep. Um, and it's really the strength of the, those two main characters that, carries the book and like i said before i had my doubts going into it with it being billed as a romance but it's their relationship and their romance that's the strength of the book and the fact that it's so focused on them mm-hmm. um but i will oh and actually yeah and you've got not 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 only the um romeo and juliet you know on opposing sides opposing families <laughs> in the sense of the empire and the be- rebellion but then you've also kind of got a Again, the class thing, which is kind of harkens back to like classic English, yeah. you know, period dramas and literature and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I would also shout out Nash Windrider. I think cool. he's a really interesting oh, character. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like the yeah. mental gymnastics that he goes through as an Alderanian to justify what the Empire did to Alderaan his home planet yeah. and how he just becomes more like radicalized by the empire almost. Yeah. Um, and I think he's Nash, really interesting Nash, and I'd like to see more of him. 
Yeah, Nash is awesome. And I love that you bring him up because it is such a unique thing of like, well, clearly, whoever cares about Alderaan would hate the Empire. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, the obvious thing. But Claudia's like, no, there's way more complexity to it, unfortunately. And it really shows how the radicalization of like these fascist societies can really warp the minds of people and make them think that, well, if I don't join, it was all for nothing. And like Sienna, like you're saying with her loyalty, it's like, well, my bond is my word. It's like, yeah, but your word is to something evil, but she can't see it. Like there's, there's people trying so desperately to do good and that have been hurt by the empire that still can't see it until, you know, someone shows it to them or sometimes they never do, which is, I think even more tragic. You get that with Nash and, and is it, uh, uh, we get Nash, uh, Jude Edivon as well. She, Jude, yeah. uh, Jude she, they, they see what happened. She saw what happened with Alderaan, but she, but she had to try and convince herself that if this is what it takes to prevent the Galactic War, then maybe it was for the, the greater good. So, uh, and Nash as well. Nash, he, he, he struggled with the idea of his home planet being destroyed, but eventually, like you've said, came round to it because he thought it was for the good of the galaxy. And it's amazing how we get that viewpoint of these characters who, like you say, we Claudia does a great job of introducing us to Jude, to Ved Foslo, to Ken Diadeli, to Nash. So we, we get their kind of almost like camaraderie. They're kind of like um, their dorm room fun. And then when, when it really hits the fan with Alderaan, that's when we really see, right. Everything we've just seen before we've, we've, we've been allowed to grow with them to an extent. Now let's see when they're placed in the pressure cooker how do they respond and how they all kind of like crack off and do certain things is so, so appealingly done. I think. I think Jude was one where she's, she's an interesting character because I, I always felt that she was just pretty much a solidly good person. She, mm-hmm. her, all of her motivations were, uh, were, were pretty pure and it was quite brave. I think of Claudia Gray to stick a character in like her who, uh, uh, you know, ultimately meets her demise on the Death Star and really contributes to that whole thing of, you know, was the destruction of the Death Star a terrorist incident? Um, you know, <laughs> that's how it is framed by uh, good old Nash Windrider. You know, that's yeah. what he sees it as, um, despite the fact that thing was used to destroy his entire planet and family. Yeah. Um, he, 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 to me, is a bit of a sociopath. He's the one where, as you say, that he's doing mental gymnastics to justify everything, but he almost, I think he likes it too much. Whereas Jude was always, you know, she, she was pretty much a pacifist. She wanted actually there to be no war. Mm-hmm. And she thought that the empire and the, you know, the Imperial military would achieve that. And so to have somebody where you actually felt, you know, sort of sympathy and a, a bit of regret that this person had died on the death star. And I don't think other, yeah, than, a, yeah. other than a few jokes about, you know, innocent, uh, innocent construction workers dying the in the death star. Yeah. But yeah. Other than those, those jokes in the past, I don't think either in the old EU or in main canon, I don't think anybody's really gone down that route of saying, hold on, do you actually need to just spare a thought for a few of the people yeah, well, the not few, tens of thousands of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they're not the, on a on a on a starship or space station that large. It, they're not all going to be bad people. 
and they're not all they're not all in it for the reasons that the you know the hierarchy are in it and yeah. so for for this book to kind of go there and it doesn't make a big thing of it it doesn't make it you know it's not the reason for the existence of the book but it, it just drops it in there and makes you think and I, I, it's fantastic the way that she did that and um, yeah, also it's, it's, uh, discovered the floor in the death star as well let's not forget she yes. discovered that uh the exhaust port that um our boy galen urso had tampered with she she b- brought that to general baston tarkin's attention but they dismissed it offhand and so whilst everything you've just said is wholly true that you know you you generally feel kind of you feel something when the Death Star's blown up for for people on board, which we hadn't really seen before. At the same mm. time, Jude almost brought the entire rebellion down with the knowledge <laughs> that she'd found out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but but again, again, her reason for thinking, her reason was thinking. Yeah, this this thing, she's not thinking. Uh, fear is what keeps them in line. She's not thinking, you know, that yeah. whole Tarkin speech. She's thinking of it as, you know, a peacekeeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, space station should you know it, quite naive in many ways and i think that was that was one of the things about her um nash windrider for me just i can't get over the name it just it's <laughs> like if you, you know you know those online generators where it yeah. says well, <laughs> you know put in your date of birth and the name of your first pet and it it's like it's a name based entirely upon Luke Skywalker, isn't it? It's it like, is, right. yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. He, he, yeah. He, can't, he can't be a Skywalker. Let's make him a wind rider. Adrian in cloud skier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's that. And it's, it's, so, it's so classically Star Wars. It's yeah. like, you know... You're called wind rider and you really want to be a pilot. It's exactly. possibly a little on the nose, yeah. and I hadn't thought of that yeah. before. But, Thanks, but, Adrian. George Lucas himself would no doubt have approved of that particular name. I'm yeah. certain. Yeah, George would have been all over that. Uh, mm. We had um, we mentioned Jude. Jude, I think, was a Jude was pivotal to the story and for Sienna especially. Uh, we had Ved Foslo, who was a Coruscant uh, national. Um, he was uh, Thane and Nash's roomie. He was a weapons expert who later designed Tie Fighters post Jakku um, for. The Imperial Remnant, Kendi Adili, who was a top mark, top marksman, she uh, later joined the Rebellion, uh, and then the New Republic after that. Um, so we've got some really cool little tie-ins, and Barry Sai, uh, who also helped retrieve Vader after the Death Star, she thought the Death Star Two was a wonderful tribute to all those who died. So she saw that as um, the Empire honouring the fallen, um, but she later died when the Executor crashed into the Death Star. I honestly think, and obviously we've got Yendor who appears in Rise of, um, in Rebel, not Rebel Rise, what was it called? Uh, Resistance uh, Reborn. Resistance Reborn, thank you, Mary. That's why we've got the, the real canon man on. Um, <laughs> but honestly, all the reasons we've all said here, the, the characters, the book works. Any book, for me, lives and dies, or film, obviously by story, but if I can't, if I can't get into the characters or understand them or get their motivations or empathise, sympathise, whatever, I'm out. I just can't connect to the story, and honestly, every single one of those names, I mean, I I, I connected and I got. I whilst I didn't agree with Nash, I could see. I I, I understood where he went once he'd finally reconciled with the idea of nope, I am Empire now. I understood, you know, his bloody-minded way of going forward. Um, uh, Kendi, how her defection, I understood it, and obviously Thane and Sienna as well. Of course, I understand where they went, and I think a lot of their character moments probably will probably come when we start talking about the big moments or the pivotal moments or the our favorite moments in the book i think probably come out um then but 
without the characters being as well written as Claudia did, I think the book suffers. I think the books were written, of course, the story is great the way it weaves in uh, through the trilogies. But if you don't buy into the two main characters, you're sunk. And if the supporting characters are cardboard, then you're on a hiding to nothing. So the characters were something special. Thane and Sienna. I love those two. And as I say, I think we're going to get more into their story now. So let's talk about, you know, the major moments or our, our favorite moments, or even like when, when you knew you were going to do a book club for lost stars, what was the kind of the one thing in your head that you thought, this is what reminds me of lost stars. This sticks out to me the most. Um, Johnny, what, anything like that for you or any, any moment, which is just up there for you in star Wars? Um, there's a couple, I think, um, mm-hmm. first of all, when they're still in the Academy, I think the thing that stands out is obviously the like the laser cannon exercise where things yeah. laser cannon is sabotaged mm-hmm. when they have to like rebuild it or whatever and then fire it. Um, you know, and then obviously there's a it's painted to look like it was done by Sienna, and then yep. you know after a bit of investigating, they figure out it's the Empire. And obviously, it's a big kind of character moment because it shows their viewpoints um, in the sense that, you know, he wants to make something of it and confront their instructors um, uh, whilst she, you know, is like, well, this is their way of doing things and we're part of the Empire now, so we should keep quiet and just get on with it. And obviously that leads to them falling out for a while. Um, Yeah. yeah, and it, but it also, again, that shows, you know, the thing we've seen with the Empire before where they kind of, they did that because they wanted to put drive a wedge between them because they don't want their recruits being that close to one another, um, yep. that good of friends or having loyalty to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge point of the book as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the main ones. And then obviously, for me, I think the other, the, the, probably the biggest one is the events that lead to Thane's def- defection or rather leaving the Empire because he doesn't immediately join the Rebellion. Um, no, no, no. That's probably the best section of the book for me, you know, which kind of starts around, you know, when Alderaan is destroyed. Obviously, he starts having doubts and then uh, then the Death Star gets destroyed and then he gets sent to, I believe it's Kerav Doi. And yep. Sees, you know, the slavery that the Empire is involved in you know, to get spice, which is illegal anyway. Um, and then, yeah, then the convers- and the conversation that they have together, uh, with him and Sienna, you know, Artry's having his doubts and wants to leave, th- decides that he wants to leave. But obviously they're having it via the holonet and can't yep. be open with what they're saying. So it leads to another misunderstanding. And then they think they've agreed on what they're going to do, but they've, both think the opposite thing, so he leaves and she stays. So I think that passage of the book is probably my favourite. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously I'm sure we'll touch on it later, just the way it threads together through all the major events of, of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Yeah, you're damn right we will. Yeah, and it fame meets Wedge Antilles on a run, and they yeah. get hammered and he, he, he says, you know, come and join the rebels and He's not really he's not really up for the damn foolhardy crusade, but he's, yeah. he doesn't also want to join the empire. He wants to get as far away from the empire. So, um, yeah, I, I, rem- I remember that part very well because it's kind of like, what does Thane do now? Does he immediately join the rebellion? No, he, he, and this is what this is. 
a while after he, he defects or leaves the empire. Uh, cause obviously we've got the bit in between Yeah, uh, for me as well, where, um, um, uh, Thane has, has left and Sienna goes to, um, you know, volunteers to find him and says, look, and she finds him on Jellicoe and she says, look, you, you can come back to the empire. They'll have you back in the, because of the Death Star incident. They'll take you back. It's fine. And that's when they realize, yeah, they, 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 they can't come back. After what you said, when they had the Holonet conversation, they're being monitored. Yeah. This is the first time they can talk openly. And they, this is when they realize that, well, hold on. Now we really are, you know, literal star-crossed lovers on opposite sides of the spectrum here. We may never see each other again. And it's the first time their friendship devolves into pure, full-on romance. I thought it was written so well, but it had impact because of the way the book and the characters are written before. The idea that, you know, it's it, it's it's aimed at the youth and it's kind of like, well, here's your young love and the time that, that everyone drifts apart. And it's kind of, oh, it's like, as Eric will know, it's like the end of La La Land. Oh, no. Mm. Um, but... Ugh. Oh no, sorry, mate. But then Sienna, she's she's like, oh, I'm going to report you, but she can't. She obviously says that Thane's committed suicide, and that bit. But that was one of the bits that stuck out to me was you know their their first you know coming together, if you will, because it, it was well written, but it was just building up to that moment and the, the kind of everything surrounding like this could be the last time we ever see each other in a huge galaxy. Wonderfully done. So um, I hear that, Johnny. Uh, Eric, what have you got, my friend? Any got major moments um. that stick out first off? I mean, so many of those already. The, the the chapter that ends with the Death Star exploding, or, or with Alderaan exploding, I still think is one of the most impactful chapter ends from a craft standpoint. Like, the way she just builds up everyone looking, and the glory of the Empire, and it is going to be okay, and then Alderaan exploded. It's like, bam! And it just it hits you as hard as it hits the characters, and the fallout is so great. So that that's probably the most impactful moment for me. But also, I love the moment um, back on Jelucan after Thane is gone, um, they've split, and then Sienna's, um, I believe it's it's her mom, right, that's called yeah. up for, like, treason against the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the whole tradition has other Jellucani families, like, staking their flags in support, and no one's done it. And Thane, who is on the run, who is a fugitive, who is a rebel, who is doing all these illegal things, still comes back to stake his flag for Sienna's family, because that is bigger. Like, that is more important. And it is kind of like the most telling sign of a relationship. And what I love is that we have no idea what Jelucan is before reading this book. We have no idea about the traditions. But by the time we get to that moment, because of the way Claudia Gray has crafted it, we know how impactful that is. Yeah. And the fact that he is willing to just be there, show his presence, be very public about where he is. Because her mother needs the support, her family needs the support. Even though her father is still like, nope, the empire's—it's a mistake. They will—he still believes so much in the empire. Like it is just such a selfless thing for Thane to do. And Sienna is simultaneously angry at him, but also so thankful. And I think that 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 moment shows kind of just how far they evolved from being friends as kids to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now Adrian. I think for me the the memories are are the 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 moments where it sort of crosses over with the pre existing timeline as as we knew it. It's it's the so some of it we didn't know, you know, the, the so the, the first appearance of Tarkin where you go, Oh, oh it's him and then you've got the uh the, the ball where Princess Leia's present yeah. and as as the book goes on and it starts to become 
you know, for the first time, because it doesn't tell you anywhere before you read it, this is how I'm going to tell this story. As you you start to realise, oh, I see what she's doing here. She's Mm -hmm. got, it's it's like Claudia Gray's got this sort of needle and thread and she's kind of diving it into the main saga and then back out again and away, tells her own story and then comes back in again and, it's those little crossover moments where it it can, you know, the context and obviously, yeah, the most, you know, most impactful ones, like, you know, everything that happens with the death star, um, the way in which she, you know, she just so cleverly, you're thinking, hold on, how, how, you know, Thane's on the death star. How is he going to survive? Of course he gets sent to be one of the scouts to go to Dan you know, so it, as you start to see all of this and you think this is just so clever that she's taking things that, you know, in this sort of uh, almost fake history that we all worship, she, she, she is treating it like that. And she's going, right. I'm not, she's never changing anything. She's never trying to make out like any of these people are, um, you know, bigger players in these moments. Yeah. She's just she's just letting you see these moments through their eyes, but they're moments that we already know and, and you know etched onto our brains as fans of the of, of the movies. And yeah. so it's all it's all those things. It's all the it, it, in in a way. As much as I love the original characters, and you, you're right, this book stands up because of everything that's original about it. But the bits that then stick in my mind and the ones that I enjoyed were those those moments that some people would even call fan service probably but those moments <laughs> where it happens and you kind of go oh wow that's such and such you know and it, th- that was that was new to me in this book I think you know her approach to it uh, especially over such a long extended period of time um, yeah, um one of my thing one of my the, the first time I read the book the only kind of real nitpick I had was Thane and Sienna, they were they were they were there for a lot of the major moments, weren't they? But then when I listened to it again, um, this is about a year and a half ago. I just got the urge to listen to it again. I kind of firstly reconciled with the fact that well, they were they were in the Empire, and you know, Sienna was was part of the command, so of course she'd be there. Um, and as you said, Thane was sent to Dantooine. Why? Because Leia mentioned Dantooine, so let's go and check it out. It makes sense. And listening to it again, you realise yeah that they weren't. They, they they were around for major moments, as were probably a thousand other faceless officers. Um, but their impact was like like, like when Sayana is tasked with um, damaging or uh, uh, sorting out the the hyperdrive on the Falcon, which oh. we know obviously eventually gets fixed. Um, that's you know to us it's a big moment. It's like oh, I remember that from the films, but right. in in universe she's just being tasked with doing a quick job. You know, get out of there. We don't see her in the films because we don't need to see that moment in the films. It's just something we hear about. So I kind of reconciled with that. I was like, you know what? Actually, no, it's not. It's not an issue that they were at Hoth or that they were uh, the moment when the Falcon has to make a getaway. You know, they happen to be there. No, it's not an issue because actually it makes sense because where they've been set, sent and set up by the story, it makes total sense for them to be there. Uh, so I've kind of got my head around that. Um, and I read an interview with Claudia where she she did say that she wanted the characters to have had a, a life before they got to the academy. She said she didn't want them to just join the academy and be like, oh, oh wow, life begins here. Everything's better now. 
which is why we got so much of their backstory on Jellicon, which I think is some of the most interesting and visually interesting as well. Like when I'm thinking about how it was looking, uh, parts parts of the book. I mean, obviously, the end of the book we'll get to is you know that's stand out, but yeah, if I found it quite hard to to pinpoint a few moments. The first moment I always think of, uh, for no real reason, is the uh, speeder chase in the academy on Coruscant when they're going through the hoops. Uh, oh because, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. love oh, that. That's it. They're stuck, and that's it. Just because of the description of Coruscant, and uh, it's the the pacing and the momentum is is really is really well done. So that that I always remember that for some reason. Uh, yes, the scene on um, Jellucan as well with Thane and Sienna um, getting together as well. But also on I mentioned Hoth. Thane is one of the Snowspeeder pilots on Hoth, and he's flying with our boy Luke Skywalker. But again, it didn't feel gratuitous or or um, shoved in. It's like, well, of course he would. He's a he's an ace pilot, right? But right. It's yeah. the realization when it, when he's when he escapes Hoth he realizes one day I may be in a dogfight with Sienna and I may never know. And I may kill her and I may never realize. And it's little moments like that. I'm punching the air, little moments like that, which make me love this book where it's, it's the character moments guys, which work for me the most. Yeah. yeah and a great, think- great meeting of Darth Vader and Sienna as well. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> remember when Ooh, she yes. asked with picking him up after, after the death star him a lift. That's it. Yeah. And, and I remember that that, that bit is particularly well written because you, you, you do get this real sense of kind of dread um, and Sienna's sort of respect for him. But I think the idea in this, this goes back to the fact that she is a sympathetic character, despite what she does with the Empire. I think deep down, I think it's, you know, she knows. And I, I do wonder, you know, she, she believes in the Force. So mm-hmm. is it perhaps somewhere in claudia gray's mind that she's thinking yeah she could she's no jedi but she can pick up on the fact that this is this is an evil evil person um and and, and fantastic writing from her to use something like that Mm. to to really really give us a bit of vader when you probably wouldn't expect it in a book like this yeah, yeah. I, I I love the doubling down in the canon since post twenty fifteen of of really making Vader as scary as possible. Like, oh, in, yes. in, whenever he pops up, it's like, no, this guy's a monster. Like we all because <laughs> we all love Anakin, and we get a, like I think Anakin has only gotten better because of Clone Wars and all these things. And it's like, oh, it's just it's Anakin in the suit. It's like, no, it's a different character. Like. <laughs> You know, Vader is so wholeheartedly different and seeing him through someone like you're saying through like Sienna's eyes and her feelings and was just it, it reminded me of like Cal Kestis meeting him in Fallen Order. You know, it's like that yeah. moment of this. This is a machine of terror unlike anything, you know, and and all, like you said, man, he's giving him a lift. Like, wh- I don't know how you <laughs> deal with that psychologically. And it's one of the things I think this book does so well, too, is that. <laughs> one of the great things about Star Wars books is that it can affect your viewings of the movies, right? Like you can look and look for Thane during the um, Hoth battle. We can yeah. look at different things and, you know, well, why didn't George Lucas name him that? Well, cause he didn't exist then obviously, but it. It, I think lost Star Wars better than most books actually retroactively makes a lot of movie moments. Really cool. Yeah. yeah like none of the characters that pop up when I mean, you get a lot of cameos throughout the book, but none of them, 
they're all just really small little quick cameos. We know those characters, so we don't need a ton of detail about them. Yeah. But yeah. So it's just adds to it rather than them taking over mm-hmm. and it becoming yeah, about they, them. And they allow Vader, the original characters like said, to shine. Yeah, he's just, Vader is just really intimidating. And like you mentioned, Matt, the uh, when she's part of the team on uh, Bespin that has to go sabotage the Falcon's hyperdrive and then it takes mm. off later. They manage to fix it and yeah. you just get her reaction to like, oh God, Vader's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Because she's he's seen him do that off. before because she serves on his ship. Yeah. Mm. But then he doesn't, which you assume is just because he's got other things on his mind. Yeah. Having so I think- his son for the first time. Yeah. yeah, he's probably a bit uh, preoccupied with that, I yeah. imagine. But it, it, so that it's one of the reasons why the book stands on its own, for the reasons you've had to just mention that. Yes, we we see we see Princess Leia at the Academy Ball, and you know there's there's whispers of her. You know she's a rebel sympathizer, but her heart's in the right place. We see Tarkin, of course. We see Vader. Uh, Wedge Palpatine gets a name drop. Palpatine started the war, but we're going to end it. Uh, obviously, then we get who the hell's General Solo? Han Solo gets a mention as well. Right. Um, so uh, that's how we get from them but it, it it the book stands on its own by tying itself into the fabric of star wars like that by by just sort of name dropping characters as if they were just part of the part of the tapestry already as if you know the characters know them or they don't know them we, we know han solo as just squ- swashbuckling hunk um who who uh, uh swooped in to save the death star uh obviously helped out helped out on a part of the strike team on endor and all the rest of it somebody heard of general solo they're like who's that you know, who knows this and it just makes it feel a little bit real it's not like oh everyone's st- everyone stands on attention whenever they hear the name uh han solo you know there are some people who still don't know who this guy is but for us those lines work because we know who general solo is uh, even if he was uh fortuitous to be- get such a grand rank in in the rebellion but uh, we also go to endor as well uh so the the end of well as finn would say in the rise of skywalker that's where the old war ended it didn't Ended a Jakku, but we go. Uh, we go to uh, Endor, and another th- bit which I thought was really quite well done was we. we I thought that um, Sienna had, had perished when her ties, the ties destroyed when the mm. Death Star was blown up. I was like, oh damn! So you know they're Thane dancing away with the Ewoks, and then you know Sienna's dead. Um, I thought that was really well done as well. Yeah, it's. And again, it, it's the indoor is such a classic planet. It is it is a fan favorite planet, and bringing it in was obviously a very smart thing to do. And it's interesting when I when you kind of falsely kill a character like that. You know, I feel like in some books it can, it can seem kind of cheap, yep. but again, it all matters about the person that's putting words on the page and mm-hmm. the way Cody Gray dealt with the aftermath of that feeling. I think was important. To be yeah. like, oh, we the characters still got to feel that that was happening. So whether it was real or not, the narrative still got to progress that way. Um, and then, of course, we didn't lose the character that we love, which is also a good thing. So <laughs> I thought it was, yeah. it was well she played. She got impaled, but she's okay. Yeah, come on. Who among us hasn't at some point or another just been <laughs> impaled? Who hasn't been to a wedding, come back the next day? It's yeah. like, I'd be my leg. You know, uh, happens happens to the best of us. But, um but no, yeah, she did survive, and she's then made a commander of the Inflictor. And that's going to come up later on at the age of twenty-five. Um, what about any other any other moments that jump out for any of you guys from the book that we haven't mentioned? I think the the, the final battle, you know, the final battle on Jakku yeah. is, you know, it's, it it was. It's important to remember the timeline of this that that was the introduction to the Battle of Jakku. Yeah, it was. 
as much as the aftermath model uh, aftermath novel came out this you know literally exactly the same time that was only part one of aftermath and the battle of jakku is in part three of aftermath wasn't it yeah. so it wasn't until uh well we were, we were nearly watching rogue one by the time we found out the you know all of the detail behind the battle of jakku and battlefront but, 2 hadn't come out yet either which led yeah, off with the yeah, jakku yeah. campaign absolutely right and so this was in you know going back to that whole thing about clues about the forthcoming movie this was really like i suppose all that it really had but it was it was big because it was like right this new planet jakku i've never heard of it before um we're going to find out about the battle and the way that she constructed it um i thought was fantastic and this you know this uh, the whole crashing star destroyer um you know sienna cho- chooses to crash it yeah but oh. i mean it, it's a it's a great setup um perhaps was it slightly copied by battlefront 2 because that, um, that ends with a Star Destroyer. I mean, I know a lot of Star Destroyers crashed onto Jakku. Oh. <laughs> no, she, she was, she's going down with her ship, wasn't she? And uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, but the, God. the, that, God. the in the in the interview I saw with Claudia Gray, what was interesting was that mm-hmm. she sort of said, "Well, you know, I'd, I I wrote the story and the the whole thing with the ship at the end I'd written, but it sounded like." she didn't have a clue what Jakku was. And then that's okay. when mm-hmm. the story group then came to her and said, let us tell you about Jakku. And so they, they obviously just kind of very easily adapted the end of her novel to fit into the battle. And, <laughs> and the train. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so that whole thing to me, that was the excitement because at that time, you don't know how important that is or is not going to be to the story of episode seven, eight, nine, whatever. So, mm-hmm. it, but as a reader, that was the bit where, cause you've gone beyond, you know, you've, you then sort of go in, we're in new territory cause we're beyond return of the Jedi and everything previously that was beyond return of the Jedi that's gone, you know, that's great. A great show. Timothy, Timothy's arm novels. I love them. Loved them. Um, but you knew at that time you went right. They ain't counting. So this is this is now. We've had a great, an, an amazing book of going, touching on all of these moments that we know and love. And now for this last section, you're telling me something that's brand new, and that was that was really exciting. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it was it was in many ways just just an action end to the book. Probably could have happened on any other planet but because it it fed into that whole sort of hype for the force awakens to me i just remember reading the end of it and just being like wow this is this is incredible yeah i mean for me because obviously like i said I, i read it three months after i'd seen the film so for me it's like suddenly we're going to jakku for the finale and that ups your excitement already because you've you've seen jakku you yeah, seen the Star Destroyers and everything. <laughs> yeah, for some reason we're going to Jakku. <laughs> so yeah, and then just the whole, you know, that whole battle, just look kind of the tension and the desperation because obviously you, you're invested in these characters so much. By then, you want you desperately want for Thane to get to Sienna and get her off the ship. Yep, and mm-hmm. obviously the way that all goes down 
um, just I thought was really well done because obviously you don't have her having a massive change of heart or anything because she's about to die. She's true to her principles and is in actual fact angry with him when they get back down to the surface of Jakku and she wakes up from being stunned. Eric, my friend, the Battle of Jakku. Mm-hmm. At the end, we'll say the Battle of Jakku. It's the battle of the on the inflictor. But uh, <laughs> what did you? How 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 are you? How are your nerves reading that? Oh, it was it was cinematic. You know, yeah. I think that the best written Star Wars battles make you feel like you're in the you're in the cinema watching them happen as you read the words. And I think that Claudia Gray did a great job with it because at at its core, it is the battle between two friends and lovers like going towards each other right so it it is intimate but at the same time it is an epic of star destroyers and starships and like there's there's klaxons going off and you know all these things and and the fact that she was able to still keep that big scale of excitement and, and again something that we know now is important while also keeping the small moments, like having the passcode be, you know, look through my eyes, and like having having the, the things oh. that we've learned about their relationship throughout the book be key elements of how the battle's going to end, like it, it it was great, and it is it is a climax that earns that earns it because I think a lot of really great books, a third act is hard to write, it's hard yep. to get the last few chapters to be exciting, but man, she she just crushes it and. If you read this before seeing the film, um, like I know a lot of you folks did, like I can't imagine just how cool it was to to go to Jakku and be like, oh, that's the that's the ship. Oh yeah, I know yeah. this battle. I know what happened here. <laughs> like that's just so fun. <laughs> oh, honestly, I think it's got you know what it's it's got stakes as well because yeah. you whether you've seen so, the Force Awakens before or not, actually, in many ways, doesn't impact it because this isn't part of it's kind of it's present within the grand saga but it's not a crucial they are not crucial players in the saga so as all this is happening this could go any one of a number of ways whereas if they were you know or even at the bits where they are you know you know the death star is going to get destroyed so you know, you know that's why there's perils for anybody being on the Death Star, and she uses that really well. But because the climax of the mo- of the book, sorry, is uh, it's quite like a movie. It, it, the 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 climax is so well crafted, and it but because it's new, and because you, you know all you really know about Jakku, even after the Force Awakens, is that there's a load of dead ships on the ground. You don't know who's going to come out of that alive, dead, rebel, imperial, whatever. So, you know, it, it was it was gripping. Yeah, and it, it's the actual battle is, and that, you're right there. Actually, that's what I've said about the High Republic as well. Is that when you get a whole new bunch of characters who are, you know, the t- detached from the stories that we know, anything goes. So immediately, the stakes. There we go. There's the they raised the excitement, the tension, the atmosphere is raised tenfold because anything can happen. And I felt that. I remember reading this, and. My my little heart, bless it, was going boom, boom, boom. It's going like <laughs> ten times an hour reading this because like, they're, they're literally the, we, the ship's going down and they're fighting. They, they 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 come face to face. She punches him in the gut and they're fighting. And you're thinking, are they both going to die here? Is it is this how it ends? You know, it is literally like a kind of a Romeo and Juliet where they both die at the end. Spoilers for Shakespeare. Is it going to be like that? <laughs> um, but then he finally stuns her and gets her in the escape pod. And, 
it, it obviously it opens up potential sequel, which I'm sure we're all gonna we're all gonna put our votes on later. But um, the ending I thought was perfectly written, and like you said, Adrian, because the stakes were there, it suddenly made this ending slightly more I don't want to say vital, but pivotal than it would have been if it was you know Han Solo versus an Imperial officer on the Star Destroyer. You know, Han at this point is fine, so you can kind of rest easy here that's out the window and uh just to touch upon something that uh eric said as well the uh, the look through my eyes which is a powerful powerful message which um permeates the entire book and it's based on uh it relates to uh winnet or winet re who was sienna's sister who passed twin who passed away like a few hours after she was born already an mm-hmm. extremely heavy subject for any genre um but Sienna would uh, wore a bracelet, which and, and she'd say, you know, look through my eyes. She was kind of by saying that it, to her, she was inviting her, the, the the spirit or the essence of her sister to see the galaxy through her eyes. And it's a it's a highly emotive subject to have, certainly in a Star Wars novel, a Star Wars YA novel. But I uh, just to touch on that, I think that was I don't want to say brave because it's a subject which needs as much highlighting as possible. But um, I found that to be a really emotive part of the book, alongside the ending, which had which felt like a gut punch, even though they both survived. The uh, Sienna Sienna's journey throughout was kind of like punctuated by the relationship that she never had with her sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I having that sister relationship, even with a character that, like you said, isn't in the book really, mm-hmm. was such an interesting take. Because I think that not we don't really see a lot of Star Wars characters dealing with like historical family trauma that's not in the story. Because like obviously the story of family trauma that's everywhere in Star Wars, but to have people like no that you carry this with you forever. And I think that for some readers that maybe have, have suffered similar things or, or feel odd about having similar relationships with siblings that have passed, like what a powerful character to to see that she is still strong even though she does carry with this with her for her whole life. Yeah, yeah. I think again, it's the it's a mixing of her being more spiritual and mm-hmm. being the imperial, which is it's like it's not what you expect. It's it's going against you know normally in a Star Wars story you go right if there's somebody who you know uh, believes in spirits and talks to you know the, their sister that they they never even really met but they were you know remembering them they're, they're having this spiritual connection you would immediately go well they're going to be a good person they're going to be on the rebels yeah. and no that's that uh, that's again so clever to position the two of them on those yeah. two sides <laughs> so clever the more I think about it, the what did, that is what hooked me into the book. Whilst I had reservations about it, and again, that's 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 very much on me, not on Claudia Gray or this. Not that's on me thinking is a YA book for me. Am I going to enjoy this? Mm. But what right, did right. hook me in was that idea of quote unquote star cross lovers on either side of the, of the of the fight on the rebe- rebellion and empire. How is that going to work? How is that going to come together? What are they going to have to do? What were they going to have to pull? to make this work and I had no idea that it was going to involve you know the entirety of the original trilogy to do it and it only made it even better I think yeah and you can compare her relationship with obviously her sister who's no longer there to like Mm -hmm. Thane's relationship with his family and his brother who bullied him as a child yeah and 
by the way, underrated moment there when you find out that his brother is just like a failure in the Empire. Yes! Oh, it's so great! Oh my god! Such a great player. Wonderful! (laughs) Look at all the real spirits coming out here. That was great, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Because Diana's got, she's bound by loyalty and her, she comes from the the first waivers, you know, the villagers, as they're called. They're looked down upon, but they're loyal to a T. And they... They respect and they live by family, the code of family. Whereas the second waivers, you know, they're influenced by other other um, aspects of life. So <laughs> um, that that's another interesting dichotomy as well. The fact you know Thane has issues with his brother and his father. Sienna is so loyal to her family, and a lot of the issues that they faced growing up felt authentic as well. I think Claudia Gray really got a grasp on how to write people growing up and the issues that they faced, whether it was personal or family issues. Um, whilst also fleshing out them, the secondary tertiary characters, offering differing perspectives on the rebels and more importantly, the Imperials. Uh, it was a, I think it's a fabulous job. Student. I'm so glad that Lucasfilm uh, publishing, you know, recognize that and, and have kept her in the family and given her more and more stuff. Cause everything she writes is a home run for me, but um, well, Jakku aside then, because uh, and honestly, for those who haven't read the book, we're not underselling it. But there's no way. To, there's no way to oversell just how good that moment is. But is there? Um, are there any other any other moments that stood out big, small for you guys? Not no question. question. Yeah, you know, I think there's like we could. I mean, at a certain point, we're gonna hit the whole book. There's so there's just so many good do. parts about yeah. it. But like, I mean, if if those are the highlights, then I mean, each tier is just filled with good moments. Because again, she does do a great job of the big bombastic moments and the really small ones and i think that for my for my money i don't know if there's a star wars writer that does it better than her nope no i i would say on sort of slightly to go off topic of the book and just Mm -hmm. to touch on claudia gray herself this was obviously her first star wars book i don't think anybody had probably heard of i certainly i hadn't i'm not no big she came into this she did this book um, pretty much dropped the mic, walked away, and <laughs> you know, within I mean, it must have been within like weeks or months of this book coming out, she was tasked with writing Bloodline because that wasn't that that she must have started that relatively soon. You know, she she was writing she one, in that one of the most important books because you know they they, they tied that in with Ryan Johnson and everything. You know, they, mm-hmm. she worked with him, so she she very quickly went from you know, oh, can you write us a, a YA romance novel in space? She went from that to, uh, can you just explain everything about Leia Organa? <laughs> The state of politics yeah. in galaxy. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. oh, and then when you've done that, can you then go back and just cover off like Leia Organa's early life? <laughs> and then when they've done that, can you yep. go back to the, before the prequels? I know you've not done, you've not done anything in that area yet. Can you go back before the prequels, take Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and tell us all about them? And oh, yeah. can, you, can you explain about the prophecies and the chosen one <laughs> and all of that? And it's like heaven so, for Eric. Well, it's so great. It's what, so good. Yeah. What she's done, what she has done, very specifically, her, she has done novels of every type within Star Wars. You've got, yeah, she, you've got Lost Stars. Is it, there's a lot of as much as it's the YA romance thing. There's a lot of military stuff in it. There's mm-hmm. virtually zero 
Force Jedi stuff. Yeah, that's there's one of the things of... That I like about it the most is the yeah. fact that there's not much force in it. And like Jedi philosophy and stuff is one of my favorite yeah. things about Star Wars. But I love yeah, the fact that it's just it? Empire V Rebels, it's regular people. It's the people, yeah. And but then, she, and, can and then end... she does that again with like Bloodline mostly. Yeah. She uh, does politics. Young Leia. And then she just comes along with Master and Apprentice and then drops the mic on Jedi philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's just I, got the best I Jedi philosophy of anything yeah. in there for me. I genuinely think this is, that she is the person, she's just got the most overall knowledge of Star Wars outside of probably Filoni, you know, you, you, she's got, she is like, she's like the Filoni yeah. of books. Claudia Gray is queen, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a good, yeah. that's a really good way just to put it. Like, <laughs> and, she, and she's going, I mean, there's a reason that they're like, hey, we're going to pick five people in the world to create the next era of Star Wars, and you're <laughs> one of them. Yeah, probably just <laughs> yeah. name on the list. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got to believe. It. And Into the Dark was a again. I think that's a really good book. It, uh, a different tone from um, mm-hmm. Night of the Jedi. But once you got about halfway through that book, I mean, God damn, did it suddenly? Did it suddenly like hit you in the in hit you in the gut like a cyanary punch, like a lot of the High Republic books are doing? But I was so glad mm-hmm. to see um, Claudia Gray get more and more stuff. But like you say, it's not. It's, she's you know she's been given these huge tasks where. Uh, and um, you know, to to us, to us, for you know, canon matters. So these, these, you know, this could make or break major moments for us. But she always consistently hits it out of the park, genuinely does. And it all started. Mm. And again, I'll pick it up with this beast here, this five hundred and fifty page wonder of a book, which not many people had either heard of or had any hopes for, because for better or worse, or for right or wrong, uh, our boy Chuck Wendig, his aftermath novel was that was pushed you know this is the first post return of the jedi story it's it's the adults it's the adult novel if you will and you know we'll, i'm sure we'll talk about that on another book club but it certainly wasn't as well received at the time as lost stars was and mm-hmm. um yeah going back to re-listen to it knowing what we know about the sequels and the characters and just having a few more years to let star wars marinate this book just gets better and better. And when once we get past the book, the Battle of Jakku, and they start talking about the Imperial Remnant in the uh, the Kelly and Nebula, um, and what and Nash thinks that Saiyan is dead, and he's go he's like on a one track mind now to take down the New Republic, and Ved's with oh. him, and and of course we know that years later the New Republic um, was would be gone. You know, the, the first the First Order would rise and destroy the New Republic. So we know that eventually. They, they've had some part in getting their revenge. And that to me ties into the force awakens just as much as seeing the inflictor on Jakku or anything else. That's one thing that I came across that I was a bit unsure with to do with Mm -hmm. like the canon and stuff is when this book ends, as we know from the aftermath trilogy, the main or part of the Imperial remnant runs off to the unknown regions with, uh, yes, but here it describes them as fleeing to, to the core worlds. Like Death Wind Rider goes, goes with the remnant goes yeah, but then I was wondering how that plays into because it says Core Worlds and obviously Coruscant is one of them and the impression I get from the rest of canon is that <laughs> once Jakku happens, Coruscant waves the white flag. When mm. when Bloodline rolls rolls around, mm. I think she kind of covers it off. To, <laughs> certainly, to my understanding, no, right. I don't think anybody. It, there, there isn't a, a, a Bible of that time, is there? It's no. so much of it is unwritten. 
But mm-hmm. I think my understanding was always you had you, there. There are many Imperial remnants, and I think I think the Mandalorians doing this in that they're sort of yep. saying, mm-hmm. you, you know, you've got the individual groups of Imperials following individual moths, like be it Gideon or you know, is is Moff Gideon. Is he involved with Thrawn, for example? Is Thrawn even an Imperial? We don't know. They're almost, they've become the rebels. They're like cells. So there's different yeah. cells all over the place. And I think the the ones that disappear into the unknown regions, that is very definitely the, we're off to become the First Order because it's, that is... Uh, They're the chosen right. ones. It, yeah, it's, it's what's-his-face. It's um, Gallius Rex. Rex it's Gallius Rex's is his sort of plan mm-hmm. and then um uh Sloan isn't it she she Ray actually mm-hmm. she survives Rax doesn't so she takes yep. them but the uh one of them is Hux isn't it or Hux's dad yep. and Brindle yeah so that is definitely the first order the the, the yeah. beginnings of the first order but then you've got other imperials who in Bloodline, Claudia Gray then explains that there are worlds who simply lived their lives like Imperials, you know, that worlds that chose to be, um, you know, that sort of more, um, uh, more hardline Imperial attitude in Mm -hmm. in comparison to the Republic, but they, they learned to coexist. And so there wasn't a war, and though, but those worlds, I don't know, then maybe they sheltered yeah. Imperials or whatever. But they, I think there's a lot to be explored there, and I don't think they've boxed themselves into a corner. So, yeah, I think you you, were, you mentioned earlier, Matt, about do you think that there's going to be a sequel to this? And that's that you know, that to me, that's where the potential for this now is. You've now got this this period that's opened up like post. Um, well, I suppose post Battle of Jakku, you could call it, yeah. where we're getting Mandalorian content. We're going to get, you know, the Ahsoka Rebels sequel, whatever you want to call it, the, that deals with Thrawn. That de- you know, it's mm. going to get fleshed out. So this period of, I don't know what it is, twenty to thirty years from yeah. Battle of Jakku through to the Force Awakens, the we're not going to get, I don't think that you're not going to get movies. You're going to get the TV shows. And I think that's probably going to be a lot for that, that period, but for books, what a perfect way and what better characters could you have than these two, Thane and Sienna and good old Nash. Um, For them, their story over that 30 years could really flesh out a lot. And Claudia Gray's the person to do it. Um, you know, she she need she needs to tell that story. I'm pretty. She, there's no way that she finished this book in the way that it finished. Yeah, th- thinking, uh, yeah, I'm not going back to them again. <laughs> yeah, especially the, the way they leave it with Nash. You know, he's got this big grudge against the rebellion now, the New Republic. Yeah, you know, he thinks yeah. Sienna's dead, and he's in love yeah. with her himself, of course. Ooh. Yeah, here's um, so, an interesting here's an interesting know. thing. Do you I know what? Imagine there's, there's so much there to still do with with that, and like you say, yeah. like whatever imperial remnant he's with, he wants to. He's gunning for um, Thane. Um, so, and then obviously 
Thane and Sienna's relationship is still kind of up in the air. She's a yeah. bit angry with him. But he's going um, away for She's her. going to trial. What happens yeah. with that? And, you know, oh. if, assuming she did get released, you know, that she's probably going to not want to be in a relationship with Thane anyway. So goes off oh. and does her own thing. But then, yeah, so there's so much they can do with it. And there definitely needs to be a sequel. Well, as, as Matt knows, I would love for Lucasfilm to have the guts to make some of the books that already exist into films. I in would love to. I mean, they've made this Disney into Plus the, series or an animated series. They've made it yeah. uh, an anime uh, book, uh, comic sort of thing, story, which is great, yeah. actually. But a manga Eric, comic. Like, manga comic, mm-hmm. sorry. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, my yeah. friend. Eric, what are you thinking, man? I mean, this is probably the question that Claudia, I reckon she feels this the most. Are we getting it? When are we getting it? Have Lucasfilm said it? Are we going to get one? And what could happen? We've just heard a few things. Yeah. So I, I agree. It's totally the question she's got to get the most. I think she she knows the story. I think that she's willing to. However, we now know that she is keyed into the High Republic for the next, what, three to five years, right? Yeah. So I think realistically, to write another 550-page tome <laughs> that is outside of that initiative i'd be a little surprised because i think i think she's also still writing some non-star wars stuff like she's just Mm. um so i think her play might be a bit full and i also don't think anyone else is gonna write that story except claudia gray it's kind of like how you know filoni has the ezra thrawn story like no one else gets to do that so i think if we get it i mean how fun would it be if maybe the 10 year anniversary of this book, we get the sequel in 2025, you know, like I think realistically that might be what we're looking at. Yeah. After the high Republic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that that's, I mean, splitting your brain into different star Wars eras is tough, but with as much work as every time you talk to those authors, as much time as they're spending mentally in the high Republic and in the Slack chats and all that stuff, I think that's kind of where she is right now. Mm-hmm. And especially with her, next big novel coming up in January. But I think that this story can be told. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that in some of these, you know, post battle of Jakku shows, we're getting like you all been talking about with Mandalorian Ahsoka. I wouldn't be shocked if we see some of these people show up. Um, But I'm not going to at all expect it. I think they're all going to be new because they can, then they can make toys easier and brand them. Mm-hmm. So my, 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 my cynical brain says maybe, maybe in four years, I'd love to get it. But Claudia just needs to be given a, a cabin in the woods for two months <laughs> by herself <laughs> and uh, no other projects. There's a real I mean, advantage to a, to a waiting, though, which is of course. that this, this book that she did, Lost Stars, is so good because of the way it weaves through the pre- Pre, you know the pre-existing material yeah because this is an era where it, it is at the moment so open in many ways wouldn't it be beautiful if she can wait until all of the other stories are done and then yeah. she can use that as the backdrop in the way that she did this time and that that you know there would maybe be a bit too much pressure on her to come up with explanations for very large things uh you know and and maybe to tell a a grander story galactic speaking you know it's a phenomenal the, point yeah plus she, we already have the sequels as well so she's not she's not shackled by the uh, knowledge that well look we can't say too much about 
the Force Awakens because it's not out yet. Seven, yeah. eight, and nine are out, so you can you you can say whatever you want. So you can say, oh, this this mining guild or whatever, or this 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 and this. Mm. And we can be like, oh, that was in Tross or something from the Last Jedi, and it doesn't step on anybody else's toes as well. You know, do you know what the final line of Lost Stars is? Oh, it I reads, look, but I'm not going to. Oh, I'll, I'll, wow. I'll tell you. It Please. reads. You will be avenged when the Empire rises again. Now tell me that Claudia Gray did not know. She she knew. She's there yeah. thinking. And that's Nash Wingard as well. She she she's got an inside line when you know, whatever moment it was where Palpatine was on the table originally, and then he went <laughs> off it and then he came back on it. I reckon at that particular point, that was maybe just just a little bit of the flavour because between aftermath and this, it's all very much like you know, oh, the empire. You know, the, it's all these imperials who want to keep the empire going. We'll be back and again it, one day. Yeah, yeah. So, so p- people like Nash and maybe Sienna, if she gets out and goes back to the empire, they're perfect people to set up that idea, to, mm-hmm. the, the idea of perpetuating the empire. Um, yeah. You know. It, it, it's, she she can do it. She can write a write a story that takes us there. Yeah. Nash reminds me a bit of Gideon Hask from Battlefront Two. Just somebody who's like so like into the Empire that he'll do what, and he's part of the Imperial Remnant as well. Just like grizzled, yeah. embittered kind of um, now ex Imperial now Remnant officer who's just um, doing dirty work around the galaxy. Nash reminds me of that as well. So, um, do we live in a galaxy where we just don't get a Lost Stars sequel, or is that not worth thinking? We might. I mean, I, I would like. I like to read every book and be like, "Hey, that might be the last good book I ever read." Because then, mm-hmm. you know what? The next good one is like, "Oh, how about that?" <laughs> it's it's always thinking. nice to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. are, there, are there any novels on the slate right now which aren't High Republic? A vision. Oh. Visions, yeah, the next Thrawn Ascendancy book is coming out. There's the Mandalorian book that is still... It's been captured. It, it, it feels like they're, they're to, you know, the publishing side, and rightly so, the, the focus is massively on High Republic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, they're, again, yeah, they're probably thinking, well, yeah, let's let these guys, you know, the guys who are doing all the TV shows, let's let, let them have their fun in this era mm-hmm. and then see what breadcrumbs are left. And so it, well, it could be longer than you would want, but that might not yeah. be a bad thing. Well, whilst they're doing that, the story group can be working away on other ideas, on other film trilogy stories, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let them take full, let them take a center stage and in the background, we'll work on this because those guys have got it. You know, they, yeah. you know they, 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 those authors, band of authors, they get it. They know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, it gives them a yeah. nice breather. Yeah. Just, just figure out where they want to go with publishing next exactly. after the High Republic. Yeah, um, it's been interesting. Yeah. You know, just the the volume of High Republic stuff has been great, but it's also been kind of insane. I mean, we're getting yeah. a lot of books, which is wonderful. But we're also, you know, Zahn's Ascendancy trilogy is all going to come out. I think within thirteen months of the first book, like that. Yeah. That came out fast ek johnson's padme trilogy mm-hmm. is finishing oh, yeah. up in november that was less oh, yeah. than two years so i think that a lot of the other the quote other authors which is weird to say but the, the non-higher public authors are doing a lot of individual projects and then when there's a little more room 
I totally think there's a possibility to, I mean, bring us back to the post Return of the Jedi era with something like a Lost Star sequel. How great would that be? Ugh. But yeah, I think you guys are right that a lot of that storytelling is now going to be in the shows. They have the technology. They have what eleven or something shows on the docket now. You know, let's play in every medium. And there's comics. There's always comics going yeah. on. So. Don't forget yeah. the comics. There's a, there's a lot of Star yeah. Wars. And I'm sure there's always supporting if, books if, for like Rogue Squadron. Yes. And like yes. Say, I'm mm-hmm. sure that yep. the Mandalorian, there'll be books will happen, but I think maybe yeah. they just put it off because they weren't quite sure where the story was going. So yeah, I think the, 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 the danger is always there. Until, that the danger is that if you write too many books, yeah. then you've you've filled in too much detail off screen yeah and you don't want to retcon and yeah and and, and, yeah. and we know that yeah. they clearly they like to go to the uh the filmmakers and the tv makers and give they want to be giving them the license to tell the story that they want to tell they, they don't want to be saying you've you know you've got to fit around this novel which yeah. came out five years ago and said this that that's off-putting to filmmakers and, I th- and they I, make I kind so of much more it. money I mean, we love yeah. the books, but real. Let's be real; they make <laughs> so much money on the oh, yeah. films and TV shows. Yeah. And without so. them, the books won't be there. You know, that's the, right. The, yeah. that's, right. That's the lifeblood. And so, I think you you have to you have to look at it as that way. It's you know, let the films tell the outline of the story, and then let's have these books fill in the you know the gaps but the details or just the, mm-hmm. this isn't filling in gaps this is just telling a great story yep. fitted around the, the law that we already know yep. absolutely well said chaps and uh, lost stars and it gave us our first mention of the ilenium system the ilenium system the first mention of dakar we got the first mention of the hosnian system obviously the inflictor which we saw on the the, the iconic shot let's call it what it is on Jakku with the speeder going past the crash star destroyer. Everyone was like, wow, that looks, that is a cool image came from this book. And of course, at the end of rise of sky, we see it again. Um, and a little anonymous tip off to Inferno squad in this book as well. So in terms of the, mm-hmm. uh, force awakens, obviously the, before the film came out, you know, the Ilenium system with the car mean nothing or Hos- certainly the Hosnian system afterwards, you know, you can kind of tap in and be like, Oh damn it. Yeah. That was, mentioned in, in this book so i guess we've mentioned the characters we've mentioned the major moments our favorite moments we've mentioned the overall impact on canon is there going to be a sequel claudia is queen the final point then chaps is um very much that final thoughts all of you uh one by one on lost stars you know how how do you sum it up and in like how would you surmise it what does it what does it mean in the star wars canon for you guys uh adrian I think it, it, it's it's a total surprise if you if you think about what it was termed to be, you know, a young adult romance in space with the, uh, you know, whether you want to call it uh, Romeo and Juliet or whether you compare it to Twilight or, you know, or yes. wh- whatever parallels you want to draw, you could do that in advance on the basis of, you know the, the outline and go oh my god i'm not gonna like this mm-hmm. and then you read it and it just absolutely blows your socks off and it as, as a as a debut into star wars i think that it's it's an amazing book it's maybe more important for the author that it is then brought into the star wars world i you know i would love to see claudia gray get 
even further into Star Wars. So, you know, let her come up with some ideas for some films. You know, let, let's yeah. let, let's see her developed as, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, her, her brain is used in the way that Filoni's brain is used. You know, that 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 should be the, the legacy of this book should be Claudia Gray's involvement with, you know, the franchise as a whole. And long may that continue. Yeah, Johnny. Uh, yeah, much like Adrian said, but um, yeah, it's kind of the book that's responsible for getting me back into reading Star Wars books again. Um, Claudia Gray is, is my favourite Star Wars author, mm-hmm. author, um, and yeah, it's kind of the only reason for me that this book doesn't get a perfect score like 10 out of 10 is because she's actually written better. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. No. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, Eric, final thoughts in lost stars. How good is it? Um, and as a man who uh, presents some fantastic shows all about the canon, where's this ranking for you in that canon? Ooh. Well, I, I think Lost Stars remains the best first Star Wars book for anyone to read. That's mm-hmm. my... I've thought that for years, and it still remains true with every passing year. Um, over at Utini, it's our number one recommended re- reading order book. Uh, for me, it's a 10 out of 10. And I think it's wild because I said publicly this year, Light of the Jedi is my new favorite Star Wars book. Master and Apprentice is also right up there, as you're saying with Claudia Gray's other works. But it's kind of like my Star Wars rankings in the films. Like Lost Stars is always at least in the top three, if not number one on any given day. Um, It's the most emotionally impactful book in Star Wars I've read. I'm so thankful it exists. And I truly do believe without the success it had and the skill in writing it, the Star Wars canon would not look anything like it does today. I think that's the, it's probably one of the, uh, the best bits of, uh, what's that funny word called praise that you could give a book that it kind of, uh, kind of signals the direction of Canon. And for me, it's my favorite Canon book, light of the Jedi almost usurped it when it came out. I really did enjoy that, but there's something about lost stars. And I think the reason why those two books are uh, like the Jedi two are so high up is because they're original stories. It's because I love bloodline more than more than almost anything, but there is also that kind of loss of, get any kind of real tension because i don't think things are going to happen to certain characters because well i've seen the films lost stars i got invested in these two characters all of the characters but of course thane and sienna i got invested in their plight in their relationship in their problem struggles woes uh mindsets and like like we've touched upon i didn't know where this book was going to end but the fact that they managed to stick the ending and nail the ending so well well yeah. potentially leaving that open for a sequel <laughs> but if we don't get a sequel it's still a hell of an ending as well. So for me, it, it is my number one canon novel. And it has been since I've read it. And it's what we're what nearly six years since reading it. And yeah. We've all read some fabulous Star Wars books since then, but Hey, look, if something comes out and takes over great, but it's going to take something pretty special to, um, knock this off for me. I think, um, did any of you lot hear the audio book as well, or just the written book? No, I only read it. Yeah. I've only read it. I'm yeah. part of the audio book. And it's it's good, um, it's good. It's not my it's favorite fine. in the world, but it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd mention because it's book club, but I'm sure there'll be some cases like I don't know Dooku Jedi Lost where 
that was originally a an audio book but now i listen to this on audiobook as well because as it's 550 pages whilst i could rip through this it is an undertaking so i thought well i'll listen to it on on the commute whilst i'm at home yep. or whatever and um Brilliant. honestly it's still so good so i think the recommendation from the first star wars sessions book club is lost stars if you haven't read it what are you doing you know you need to go home and rethink <laughs> your life <laughs> Get out right. there and read the book. It's, it's fabulous. So, um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for coming on and chatting about this wonderful book t- uh, tonight and giving up your afternoons and your evenings. So uh, thank you very much. Of course, You're welcome. No problem. Nope. Fantastic. Uh, well, let's do, the, let's do the outros then as we, as we do. Um, Adrian, the Mancalorian himself, uh, I know somebody who, who bestowed that title. Um, you are a man who... Uh, you're not just a Star Wars fan, you're a film fan. Where can the world find you if they want to chat with you about film? Uh, wow, you can find me on mainly, I suppose, Twitter at the underscore Mancalorian. <laughs> uh, you'll also find me on, I don't know, where else will you find me? Facebook, Instagram, various, di- various different places. Yeah, the North. <laughs> yeah, prowling He's got the to the North. North and shout them, Adrian! Yeah. And, and that will appear in front of you. Wandering around looking for bounties to pick up. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, check out Adrian. Adrian is a man who doesn't just give you an answer; he gives you the best answer you may have ever heard to a question. So Adrian gets it. Uh, Johnny, we mentioned the Starbird Files, but once again, where can everyone find you and read your work? Uh, exactly there. Um, start at Starbird Files on Twitter or Instagram, and you'll find links there to the actual blog. Uh, so yeah anybody that wants to come and chat or follow or whatever is very more than welcome yep. and, and there's an engagement there as well you may find yourself on the blog if you uh, if you deliver some spicy uh, tidbits yep. to Johnny so go check that out as well uh, and we've mentioned Eric at uh, Utini the Living Force podcast uh, amongst many where can everyone find you friend uh, yeah so best places are utini.com um, and then the Living Force podcast on all your platforms and on the Utini YouTube channel we go live on Monday nights at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. Time, which is uh, two in the morning <laughs> for y'all. So, yeah, um, if you got some insomnia over in the UK, we'd love to see you. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, personally, uh, on Twitter at Eric Eilerson, I, I talk a lot about Star Wars and the Dallas Cowboys um, as football season is slowly upon us over here. So, that is yeah. uh, that is the best place to find me. Yep, go check everybody out. I did stay up till it's only one. It's one a.m. the last time when I jumped on the Utini oh, hey, Republic. Yeah, it's one a.m. Look at so that. It was fine. I was there, and it was fabulous. So check it out. So we've got a lot of we've got three people there who know Star Wars inside out, uh, who talk about it, who blog about it, who pod about it. Every aspect is covered. Uh, so please do go and check it out and support all three of those. Uh, you know where to find Star Wars Sessions. You're listening to us. StarWarsSessions.co.uk all across the socials at Star Wars Sessions and our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions if you want to have a look at how you can support the show. However, one more time, guys, thank you so much for coming on and chatting Lost Stars tonight. Claudia, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And until the next book club, from me, see you.